This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. All right. Well, tonight uh, we are going to be on part seven. This is the final one uh, because, well, there's no more things to cover after this on this particular one, because uh, Jesus said, I am on seven different occasions in the book of John. Tonight is uh, the seventh time that Jesus used this statement. I am. We've looked at at the first six. And I mean, I've learned a lot out of this. I, I've seen a lot of things that Jesus said. And to catch you up in case you you, you haven't caught on yet. Uh, so so the Lord tells Moses in the book of Exodus, you go and you tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses is kind of a timid guy already. And he says, I, what? Me? I don't I can't even talk right. I, I'm terrible. I stutter. And, and he's like, well, OK, get your brother Aaron and he can do the talking. Well, who do we say sent us to go let the people go? And, and God says, just tell them, tell Pharaoh that I am has sent you and you've got to let my people go. And, and so that's the first time that this phrase, I am, is used. And, and I mean, that's a very open ended statement to make. Because I am what? Well, we've said this. We're just reviewing here. But he is the great I am. He is everything that you could possibly ever need. If Jesus doesn't cover it, you don't need it. Thank you for your holy silence on that one. That was, that was, that was actually pretty good. I'm telling you right now, if the name of Jesus doesn't cover it, if the name of Jesus can't get it for you, you don't need it. And so Jesus rolls up on the scene in the book of John, way here in the New Testament, and and on seven different occasions, especially speaking to these Hebrew people, because they're already mad at him, that he's that he's comparing himself and he's saying he's the son of God and all this stuff, and it makes them mad. And so he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And he keeps using this over and over again. And I mean, it's making their heads explode because they can read between the lines. They realize what he's saying. He's saying, I am God. I am the Messiah. I am the one that you've been hearing about for all these years. And for a lot of people there, they got it. Some people, it flew right over their heads, but for a lot of people, it made them very, very angry because they did not accept the fact that Jesus is the Messiah and he is the way, the truth and the life, just like he said. Well, tonight we're going to be on the seventh time, the seventh time that Jesus made this statement. So open your Bibles to John chapter 15. And this one tonight is where Jesus said, I am the vine. I am the vine. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Well, let's take a look here. Jesus said, I am the vine. And John chapter 15, and we're going to look here at, at verses 1 through 4 to kind of get things started off with. But believe it or not, Jesus is the vine, and he is the source of life for you. So John 15, verses 1 through 4. And I really believe this is an absolutely fitting way for Jesus uh, to use this seventh statement about himself here. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. And I'm in the NLT. He says, I am the true grapevine, or I am the vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. 
And so if you're a productive and fruitful person that actually does something with your life and for the kingdom of God, you're going to get pruned. You're going to especially get pruned because that's a good branch right there. We've got to cut off the nasties. We've got to cut off the excess. And we've got to, we've got to get it to where you, I mean, you're a producer. And that God knows, man, we, he, this guy can produce even more fruit. And so verse 3 says, you've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Well, Jesus is the word. Has anyone in here been pruned or purified by the message that he's given you? My gosh. He has pruned me. He has purified me. He's cut things off. He's shaken me. He's done all sorts of stuff to get me to produce more fruit. And it's it's been through his word, through the message that he's given us. But verse four, he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And so here Jesus says, I am the vine. And I believe this is a very fitting way for him, as I said, to use this seventh and final statement, because the vine, the trunk of the tree, is the source of all life and nutrients, and stability. I mean, it is everything to the branches because the branches cannot do anything if they are disconnected from the vine and from the whole trunk of the tree. And it astounds me, the people that I see that think that they're going to be productive for the kingdom of God without really being connected to the vine. I mean, and you, I mean, this would seem like common sense. Like, of course you can't do anything for God disconnected from God. Everybody agrees with that, but there are a lot of things that we get caught up in and try to do that we think, well, this would be a good thing, but, but, but we start slowly getting cut off from the vine. We start slowly getting cut off from the rest of the tree. And before we know it, well, well, you'll see later, Jesus says, oh, those branches, they get cut off and thrown into the burn pile. You know, I grew up out in the woods, a little redneck boy, and we would, we had this apple orchard, okay? And we had to cut the trees. We had, we had pear trees. We had all sorts of wonderful trees. I grew up surrounded by, and this isn't an exaggeration, millions of trees everywhere. Trees, trees, trees. And, and, and the trees that were at least in our yard there, I mean, you had to prune them. You had to cut off dead branches. And, and we didn't just leave them there. There was a burn pile. You threw those into the burn pile, get rid of them. You can't do anything with those. They just got to be burned up because they're no good. And Jesus later on in John 15 says that that's what you got to do with a branch that doesn't produce any fruit, a branch that gets disconnected. You cut it off and throw it in the burn pile. And I'm like, man, that sounds pretty intense, but it's so true. Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you. And so we're going to break this down for a few minutes here tonight. And I want you to listen. I want you to receive the word of God into your heart tonight and watch what Jesus said, because we're not we're not just throwing something out there. These are words in red. This is the very words of Jesus Christ speaking to you tonight. And he wants you to listen. He's got something to say because Jesus doesn't waste words. Jesus doesn't just try to fill up books with stuff. Jesus speaks for a purpose and for a reason. And he's speaking to you tonight. And so let's break this down into a few things. Let's go, let's pray over the word before we get into it. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, that we have 
your word sitting right here in our midst, Lord. We're, we're, we're holding your holy written word. And Lord, I pray tonight that as we read your word, that you'll speak to us, Lord, and you'll show us things that, that, that maybe we've never seen before. Or maybe, God, you need to remind us of things that we knew at one point, but we forgot. And Lord, maybe you'll explain some things that we've never actually understood. Whatever the case is, Lord, I pray that tonight we will not leave here the same that we came in. But Lord, you'll speak to us and you'll change us for your glory. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so the first thing I'm going to say tonight is this, pulling out of what Jesus talked about here. The first thing is, number one, abide in Jesus. Abide. That's the the King James. The New King James says, abide in me. The New Living Translation here says, remain in me. And so John 15, 4, we just read that. He says, remain in me or abide in me and I will abide in you. I will remain in you. What does it mean to abide? It's where you live, right? I abide in Barstow over there on Kelly Drive over there back behind Burger King. You know what I mean? That's that's where I'm. I abide there. You can find me there. That That's where I live. That's my place, man. And, and, and when you abide somewhere, it's where you live in Psalm 91. Moses wrote about it in Psalm 91, where it says those who abide in the shelter of the Most High. You live there, right? And Jesus said, if you'll live in me, if you'll make your whole life me, I'll abide in you. I'll live in you. And, 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 there, and there's no, no telling, there's no end to what can be done in somebody's life that lives in Jesus, where, where they abide in Him, He abides in them. It's an absolutely beautiful masterpiece of everything that Jesus said within these seven I Am statements. And so, Jesus said, if you live in me, I'll live in you. Our number one priority in life should be to please God with our life. And that sounds cliche, that sounds like, but I'm serious. Born again Christians lose sight of this, and it's a sad thing to see that your number one thing in life is not the pursuit of happiness for you. I don't think that's that deep, but, but I'm, I'm being serious. Our, our, our number one goal as a Christian is, Jesus, are you happy with me? Am I doing what you told me to do? Am I abiding in you? Our number one goal, our number one aim is to please God with our life. And a lot of times we start off that way, but we start to get off course and we start to live for ourselves. And that's not what Jesus said here. That's not what he said. And, and, and that it's a dangerous trap to fall in. And, I, and I've been thinking about it and I've been praying about it lately. How ugly pride is. We talked about that in our Bible study this morning a little bit. Pride is such an ugly, nasty, nasty thing that's, that we all deal with. But pride is an absolute killer. It'll kill your faith. It'll kill everything about you. So many people get worried about, well, how? How do I look? How, how, and, and they try to portray the, their lives on the Internet and, and, and they try to paint this picture and, and they don't they're not, not even thinking about, well, what does Jesus think about me? They, is this going to make me look good when you should be thinking, is this going to make Jesus look good when I do this today? Is this how how could I make Jesus look awesome today? Think about that. I mean, we spend time in the mirror and obviously, I mean, I've got, look at these threads, cactus. That's cool, huh? That's a, yeah. And so, so listen to me. You know what? We care about how, like we care about how we're going to make our, but, but do we, do you really ever ask yourself in the morning, 
man, how could I, how could I make Jesus just absolutely look awesome to Fort Irwin today? How could I make Jesus famous all throughout Barstow? How could I make Jesus get so much glory at that Marine base today that people just have to know what it is? Do we, do we start our days that way? Or is it, man, I gotta make myself look really good today, the big boss is coming in, or, or man, I, I got I gotta, what can I do to make myself look a little more hip, a little more, how can I make myself look, and, and that's fine to look, that's, that's fine, but really, after a while, I see so many Christians that started here all about Jesus, and then they, their pride and their desires and their happiness starts to pull them this way. And before you know it, if they were honest, which most aren't, but if they were, they would say, I'm not really abiding in the vine. I, 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 I'm not abiding in him and him abiding in me. I've kind of started to make myself. And we were singing that song a minute ago. There would be no one beside you. And I was thinking, man, there's a lot of people, you know, there, there's no one like you, no one beside you. But I kind of see some of us, there is someone beside Jesus, and it's you. You're lifting your, you're, yeah, there's no one before you, Jesus, there's no one even beside you in my life. Well, kind of you are, you've kind of put yourself right there, but where, where you're seeking your own. And listen, kill it. Shoot that right now. Get that out of here. That'll absolutely guarantee that you don't end up where God had called you to end up at. You've got to kill that pride right now. That was all unplanned, but that was for somebody right there. Amen. That's for somebody. And so Jesus being the vine, Jesus being the trunk, he is the source of life. And if you disconnect a branch from the rest of the tree, it's guaranteed to die. And, 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 uh, and I've cut branches off of trees and pruned things back before. And at first you toss it to the side and really the leaves are still green for a little bit. If there was fruit on there, there's still fruit on it. I mean, for a little while, when you first disconnect the branch, it seems like nothing really happened. It still looks healthy for a little bit. But eventually, guaranteed 100 million percent of the time, it starts to die. And before you know it, it's dried up and useless. You can't do anything with it. And I've seen so many people that, that they start to get disconnected from the vine. They start to get disconnected from the rest of the tree for a little bit. And at first, they're like, hey, wait, nothing happened. My leaves are still totally green. I've still got, you know, I've, I own a pomegranate tree. And so sometimes I trim that back and, 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 and the branch that gets cut off can say, I've still got, a, I've got pomegranates all over me. I got disconnected and nothing happened. This is all, this is all just a bunch of baloney. This, this is, this is crazy. Uh, here I am, I got disconnected and nothing happened. And I'm telling you what, yeah, it may not happen instantly, but guaranteed it will start to die. That branch, you, if you're the branch, that branch will start to die. And it may take a little while, but it's guaranteed to happen. Absolutely. The devil is a master at what I call a false sense of security. Where, 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 you know, just like you, you step out off there. Hey, wait a minute. I crossed that, I crossed that, nothing happened. <laughs> oh my, they've been telling me this whole time. I crossed that line and some of the best, nothing happened. Well, I'm just go over here, cut off a little bit more of that branch and, and oh, cut off a little bit more and, and nothing's happening. And you get so far out there. From the rest of the tree, you get so far out there from Jesus that, man, that's when it happens. Boom. Something happens. Destruct. Whatever the case is, you end up 
dying, spiritually speaking, was what we're talking about here. And so don't let the devil ever tell you, hey, nothing happened. Go ahead, cross the next line. Nothing's going to happen. They were lying to you. Jesus was lying to you. The word of God, it, it, it was lying. The devil is a master at giving the false sense of security. And so Jesus said, you got to remain in me and I will remain in you for apart from me, you can do nothing. And so I want to look at a couple of things here. First, Peter, chapter one, first Peter, chapter one. And, uh, and we're going to look, look at a few things here. Uh, so so this is interesting. What I, my my goal is for you to really see what Jesus was saying when he said, you have got to stick close to me. Cling to me. You have to stay connected. And so first Peter chapter one, we're going to look at a couple of heavy hitters here. All right. So I'm, we're just going to we're going to look at a couple of, of heavy hitters. Here. Uh, first Peter chapter one. And we're going to look at verses 14 through 19. First Peter one verses 14 through 19. And Peter was a he was a blunt guy, man. He 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 was he was real. And, uh, and, and that was one of the amazing things, uh, about him that, that God saw. But first Peter chapter one, and we're going to look at verses 14 through 19. And this is, this is really when you break it down, talking about stay connected to Jesus. Never, ever, ever go back. First Peter chapter one, verses 14 through 19. And it says this, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. There it is. You thought you thought you were his favorite, but you're not. He has no favorites. He loves you. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. Is there any temporary residents of planet Earth in this room? This is a this is a temporary place for me. Please tell me that this is not my permanent thing. This is not my permanent thing. I I'm just passing through, man. I'll be here for a little while. But my real home is in heaven. That's where I'm headed. I'm a temporary resident of planet Earth. Verse 18, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Man, what a verse right there. He says, you were bought you were you you were purchased with a price and it wasn't money it wasn't something as, as trivial something as worthless as money gold and silver loses its value you were bought with the precious blood of Christ the sinless spotless lamb of God and you know we're we're all born into this world obviously if you're sitting here tonight you were born at some point in time i mean i'm you know you were born at some point in time but we eventually fall in to the kingdom of darkness because Satan is the god of this world, according to Second Corinthians four four. Satan's the god of this world, and eventually our human nature we start following the god of this world because he's running the show right now. But I thank God 
that he sent his son Jesus to get me back out of that kingdom of darkness. And you better realize the price that it took to buy you. It wasn't gold. A, a, a billion dollars wouldn't have done it. A trillion dollars couldn't have bought the human, the human spirit, the, the soul. It took the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. It, it took the blood of the only perfect person to ever live. The great I Am. It took Him spilling His blood for us. Sometimes we don't, in fact, not sometimes, all the time, none of us fully comprehend how expensive you were. How much it cost to get you back from Satan. It took, and I was thinking about this. We're so into coupons these days. Before I buy anything on the internet, I get me a coupon real quick. There's no promo code to your salvation off of Retail Me Not. There is no coupon for salvation. There's no buy one, get one free. Well, your dad's saved. You might as well tag on to the BOGO coupon there and get. No, there's no buy one. There's no coupon to get you out of hell. The sinless, spotless, the blood of Jesus purchased you. And that's, that's, that's something to think about right there. And he said, remain in me and I will remain in you. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything in my name and it shall be given unto you. My Jesus, why would you do that for me? I don't get it. Man, I, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. Like we were talking about earlier, we're invited to come into the presence of God. I don't even deserve to be in the same room as him. I don't deserve to be in the same the same planet, the same solar system as God. But he says, no, come on in. Come into, come into my throne room. Come into the throne of grace. Be with me. Hang out with me. Come boldly into the throne of grace. You come on in. Like, oh, my gosh, I, I, I don't get it. I flat out don't fully get that. But Jesus said, man, come on. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the good shepherd. I'll protect you. I'll die for you, man. And then he went and did it. And here he is. He says, I am the vine. Remain in me. Abide in me. I'll abide in you. And it, man, and, and if, you'll, if you'll do it this way, I guarantee success for your life. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's flip over there. Hebrews chapter 10. Because what I'm trying to get at is so many Christians, they start off connected tightly to the vine. And over the course of time, they start to a little bit at a time. They don't realize it, but they kind of start to disconnect a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And, and, and what I'm trying to do is grab your attention and get you to understand what Jesus said. Because if Jesus said, I am the vine, there, I mean, that is a powerful thing right there. So Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 29 It says, dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. Well, that's a whole sermon right there, but I'm going to keep moving. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. But here's what I'm getting at. Verse 29. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. Whoa, it says right there uh, back in Moses day, 
You know, they put you to death on the count of two or three witnesses. I saw him do it. I saw him do it. All right, kill him. You know, two, two or three. I mean, that's all it took. And people are like, man, that was hardcore. But, but, but the writer of Hebrews here, he says, listen, you thought that was bad. How much worse is it for somebody that insults the blood of Jesus and treats it as if it were just some common thing? And, 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 and they disdain the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy forth. He's like, you thought it was bad back then. It's a whole lot worse for somebody that insults Jesus and the Holy Spirit and treats the blood of Jesus. That's why, I mean, I don't mess around with the blood of Jesus, folks. I, I, you know, I, I may joke about something. I, you know, I'm not going to mess around with that. You kidding me? No way. Because I, uh, the, the blood of Jesus, uh, that, that's, that's the most powerful thing in the entire world. And, 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 to, and to treat it as if it were just some common thing. Oh, it's communion. Yeah, it's where we, you know, blood, you know, the, the, the juice is the blood of Jesus. We do, it's the first Sunday of the month, communion time. It is what it is. Are you kidding me? Insult the blood of Jesus? No way. No, oh, no, no way. Absolutely not. Or, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm born again, but, and, and, and yes, the blood of Jesus, he cleansed me and saved me, but I don't know. I mean, just some of that stuff seems a little too much, a little too intense. I mean, just, kidding me? Whoa, time out, time out. Don't go there with the blood of Jesus. You don't mess with the blood of Jesus. You thought, you thought Moses' law was rough on, you, somebody, think how much worse it is for somebody that insults the blood of Jesus. Because you, you don't realize what it costs. Imagine you, you give your life for somebody. You, you imagine you were the one that got crucified. You were the one that took that vicious, horrific, ungodly beating. You took all that. And then someone's like, oh yeah, didn't, uh, yeah, Elise there, she's, yeah, she, she spilled her blood. She died for all of us. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, so what do you want to do today? I mean, I mean, what, how would that make you feel if you gave your everything? If you were the one that took that, and then the people that are your children, the people that, that claim and pledge allegiance to you, they don't really even think about it, they don't even talk about it anymore, they don't care that much anymore. They're, you know, they're, they're, yeah, yeah, that, that was cool, Jesus did that, but then they don't, they just, it's just a common thing, just, yeah, it happened, it's a good piece of history right there. Whoa, never, ever lose sight of the blood of Jesus. And never disconnect yourself. From the vine, cling to the vine, hold on to Jesus with everything that you have, even if everybody else thinks you look like a fool. It is not about how you look. It is about clinging to Jesus and your life pleasing him. That's what this is all about. And so Jesus said, remain in me, abide in me, make your whole life about me and I'll remain in you. I'll abide in you. Absolutely. You could ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. And so the first thing we said is abide in Jesus. Number two is remember where you came from. Remember where you came from. And, you know, I, I was thinking about like, we, there's this great preach. We haven't come here once. Reverend Randy Greer. I mean, this guy's got a testimony that pretty much, you know, tops about, you know, all the rest of us. But but he was serving a life sentence without parole for his third strike. And he had escaped from prison and all this stuff. I mean, he was a he was a really bad guy. And and he ends up surrendering to the Lord. He calls the police on himself to turn himself in. And when they realize who they've got on their hand, I mean, they called every cop in the state to come and there's helicopters. And, and he tells his testimony and it, it's like the most powerful testimony I've ever heard. But he, he willingly 
sends himself to prison because he realizes what he did. And he's got an incredible testimony. And, and he, he did his time. I mean, he did a lot of time. He was supposed to be in there forever. But the Lord worked it and he got out. And, and he's, re, he received a full pardon, received his rights back. And when I, when I lived in Oklahoma to go to college there, he came and, and, and was at the school and the governor of Georgia had just given him the rights to own firearms back. And he was in prison for armed robbery on that third strike. Like, wow, when the governor himself gives you your right to bear arms back, I mean, he received a full redemption. It was, it was awesome what all he received. And so, I'm thinking about, remember where I came from, and, and I've got to admit, I don't have a testimony like that one where I was on my third strike. That's all, that's an awesome testimony. But I can say this, that I've been places that I don't want to go back to. And you know, it may not seem like a big deal to you, or maybe it would, I don't know, but I can tell you that Jesus has saved me out of stuff that I don't ever want to go back there, man. Some dark moment, I don't ever. And if you look at your life, and really, because it's easy to lose sight, you get living in this Christian life, you get to doing the church thing, and, and you get rolling in it, and, and it just becomes, your, you know, your life, and that's good, that's awesome, but don't ever lose sight of what He brought you out of. Because that's when you start cutting yourself off just a little bit. Never forget what Jesus brought you out of. Because you don't want to go back there, do you? I don't want to go back. I, I, I don't ever want to go back to the places that, that, that used to torment me and haunt me. And I know that you don't want to go back to that either. And so Jesus, He's the vine. He's the source. Don't let yourself get disconnected. John chapter 6. Let's flip over there. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And you know, we've said it and we'll say it again. That your worst day as a Christian is a thousand times better than your best day as a sinner. I mean, I'm telling you, your, your absolute worst day as a Christian is a thousand times better than your best day as a sinner. We never, ever, ever want to go back to that. But here we are at John chapter 6 and verse 66. And, uh, and, and Jesus, he says something kind of controversial here that turns a lot of people away from him. And there are still parts of the Bible that may, you know, may not be what you want to hear. So it may make you want to do what these guys did. But you realize, and we've said it before, that Jesus had more than 12 disciples. He had a lot of disciples. Now, there were the 12 that were closest to him. And within the 12, there were three that were closest to him. So there's obviously different levels of being close to Jesus. Personally, I want to be in the top, on his top three list. You know what I mean? I want to be in the Peter, James, and John category. And uh, But anyway, here we are in John chapter 6. And Jesus, actually John 6 is where the first I am statement comes from, where he says, I am the bread of life. But Jesus tells these people, hey, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't get the kingdom of God. And people are like, what? You sick freak? You're talking about being a cannibal? Eat, eating you? Drinking your blood? This guy's a vampire. Well, I don't know what they're, but, but, but I mean, people just like flew off the handle. And, and people are like, man, this guy is nuts. He says we've got to eat his flesh and drink his blood if we want to go to heaven. And, 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 and they didn't get it. They, they had no idea what he was talking about. But here we are, John chapter 6, verse 66. John 6 is a very long chapter for the New Testament. But John chapter 6, verse 66, it says, At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Wow. 
So it is possible for somebody that was super close to Jesus to turn their back and desert him. Now, we know that he'll never desert us. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Matthew 28, he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. But it is very possible for somebody that was at one point a disciple of Jesus to turn away and desert him because he said something they didn't like. And so at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve. They were still there and asked, okay, are, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter, he's the one that spoke up and he, and he replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. I love Peter's attitude right that he spoke up because let's be honest when you see people leaving by the masses a situation it's real easy to say well something must be weird here if everybody else is leaving i mean he, this guy I mean, some something's wrong here but peter and these 12 they 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 all they stayed when everybody else left and peter says where are we even going to go you're it you we we've left everything and, you know, they say to not put all your eggs in one basket, right? They say to not just to put all your money in one thing. Well, hey, that's what I did. That's what Peter did. That's what you guys have done. There is, I have no plan B. You understand that, right? I, I don't have a plan B if this Jesus thing doesn't work out. This is it. I have staked everything that I own on the fact that Jesus Christ is real, that he is the son of God, that he is the one that gives the words of life. And that he's called me to preach his word and to live in Barstow, California. There is no plan B. This is everything to me. If this, if, if, if this ends up being wrong, which it won't be, but if this ends up being not, I mean, if this ends up being fake, then I've got nothing. But thank God it's not fake. And thank God that Peter and those 12 stuck there and said, well, they all left, but you're everything. We've got nothing to go home to. We left our home. We left our family. We've got nothing outside of you, Jesus. And that's what a disciple says. Because we've looked at, and I'm not going to go there, but that was fun. Last fall time, we did that series on the difference between being a disciple and a convert of Jesus. That was, I mean, I'm, that was, I really enjoyed that, that, that series. And this is something right here that, that separates the disciples from the wannabes and the converts. That Jesus, you're it. I ain't got nothing else to go home to. I sold the house. I left the house. I don't, I can't even get, I, I, I've got no, you are it, Jesus. You're it. Jesus said, abide in me. I believe that Peter and these 12, well, other than Judas, they, they, they made their abide in Jesus. He was their abode. He was everything. And I don't, I don't think they regretted it. I, I, I don't think that they could look back from heaven right now and say, I don't know, man, I've got some regrets about following that Jesus. No, you're not going to regret it. And so Jesus said for the seventh time, I am the vine. Stay connected and I'll stay connected to you. And so let's look at Second Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. I hope you're getting something tonight. We may be a little bit all over the place here, but I'm not, man, I'm trying to drive home a point here. The importance of you staying connected and never letting go. 
And so these disciples, they had given up their entire lives to follow Jesus. They knew where they came from and they didn't want to go back there. So second Peter, we just heard Peter speak up in the book of John. But second Peter, chapter two. And we're going to look at. Verses 20 through 22, because Peter, he was a rough neck man when before he came to Jesus and even after he he had some rough edges. Uh, I mean, he he wasn't just uh, he wasn't Mr. Clean. He wasn't he didn't he, he was a he was a rough dude. OK, he was rough. And so he knew what it was like to live that rough lifestyle and then get to come in and be one of Jesus, 12 disciples, one of Jesus best friends. And he never wanted to go back to that old life. And I'm telling you, I don't ever want to go back. I, I like it here. I like getting to follow Jesus around every day. I like getting to be right there and be a disciple. I love it. I don't ever want to go back. So Second Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22, Peter himself, he says, And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they're worse off than before. Whoa, Peter. It would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit. And another says a washed pig returns to the mud. Ouch. That's some hardcore stuff right there. But Peter, he says through, through the, the Lord speaking through him that somebody that comes to Jesus and then walks away and goes back. He says, That's the, they're worse off than they were before. They would have been better off to have never come to Jesus than to come and then leave. So they prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to his vomit and a washed pig returns to the mud. And so if you have connected yourself to Jesus for real, if you have connected yourself and said, Jesus, you're my savior. But you're also my Lord. I am giving my life to you. I am submitting my life to you. If you've said that. Stay connected. Don't disconnect. It's more dangerous to connect and then disconnect than to have never connected at all. Does that make sense? And that's a little bit that's kind of a tongue twister. But it's like it's worse off than before. To come to Jesus and, and say, Lord, I've got everything I am is yours. I'm like, just kidding. I didn't mean it. I'm going, I'm going back there. I'm going to go play in the mud a little bit more. You're worse off than before. That's, a, that's an awful spot to be in. In fact, Jesus himself said that if you commit yourself to the gospel, anybody that puts their hand to the plow, anybody that commits to the kingdom of God and then looks back, said they're not fit for the kingdom of God. I don't need them. I'm, I'm sorry. You're not fit for the kingdom of God. If you commit, then you, then you look back and turn your back. Man, 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 what a thing to say. Yet Jesus is the same one that said, I am the vine. You abide in me. My words abide in you. Ask for anything. So that brings me to point number three, and that's this. First of all, we said, abide in Jesus. Make him your everything. Number two, remember where you came from, what he brought you through. And the third thing that I'm getting out of John chapter 15 is bear a whole bunch of fruit. Bear some fruit for Jesus. Be productive. Bear fruit for Jesus. So let, let's turn back one last time here to John chapter 15. 
And we're going to look at verses 7 through 8. John chapter 15, verses 7 through 8. Has anybody, have you learned anything tonight? Are you getting anything out of this? Amen. John chapter 15, verses 7 through 8. Now you realize, I mean, Sunday night, this is the hardcore crowd. I don't feel bad about going hard on you. Sunday nighters, that's the committed people. If you're willing to come to church on a Sunday night, there's, you're a little bit different. You're either a fanatic or a fanatic drug you hear against your will, but you're here. And so, uh, so you're here. But John chapter 15, verses 7 through 8. And so this is the, the rest of what Jesus was saying here in this passage. John 15, verses 7 through 8. He says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. True disciples? You mean there's fake ones? Well, apparently, <laughs> according to Jesus. But he said, my true disciples, they produce much fruit. And that makes them look really, really cool. No, it says, this brings great glory to my Father. Our ultimate goal in life is to bring God glory. So think about this. He, he, he says here, he says, they can, you remain in me, my words remain in you. You can ask for anything in my name and you'll produce a lot of fruit. And this brings glory to my father. So this is telling me that, that, that God's purpose and allowing me to ask for anything I want and him granting it. The end purpose of that is it brings God glory when I get prayers answered. When I ask him for good and holy and right things. It makes God look really, really good. Think about that. Because a lot of times, somebody that isn't a true disciple, they'll read this verse like, oh, yeah, I'm going to ask for a bunch of money. Boom, here it is. You know, I'm going to ask, what could I ask for? Oh, man, I, I could ask for a new truck. I could, uh, I could and, 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 and that tells us right now you're not a true disciple. If, that, if that's all you're thinking about, you mean I could ask for anything and get it? You're thinking of Jesus as the genie in the bottle. Slow down, Christina Aguilera, for just a minute there. Come on. He's not. Listen to me. Pump the brakes on that. Pump the brakes. A true disciple, that's not where their mind goes at all. They're like, oh man, that means I could ask, I, I could ask for, for God to be able to use me in this area right here. And, and wow, that would make God look so good if I got my entire neighborhood saved. Wow, that'd bring glory to God. Or, or man, if I got this job after all I've been through right here, and I testify about that. Wow. The father's going to get glory. If Jesus, if he brings me out of this situation, man, I'm going to tell everybody I see for the rest of my life about this. It brings great glory to the father when somebody abides in Jesus and his words abide in them. And they ask for anything that they desire. And then it's granted. They're his true disciples. It makes God look Really, really good. And so as we're kind of wrapping all this down a little bit here, we're talking about bearing fruit, bearing fruit and 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 how we could be used by God, how we could glorify the father, because everything we say and do is about glorifying the father. Examine your heart, true disciples, examine your heart if if you want to be a true disciple. And, 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 and what is, what, what is your prayer? What is your desire? Is it to make God look good? Is it to bring glory to the Father? 
Or is it to bring glory to you? Is it to make you look great? Is it to make your name great? What is your desire? You know, a lot of times what we see and what I, when, and what I, what, what, what I see is people praying all the time, Lord, change my circumstances. Change where I'm at. Change my, change my money life. Change my, my marriage. Change, change all this stuff. Change my circumstances. But hardly anyone's praying, Lord, change me. They want God to change everything. And, 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 I, and, I, and I've, I was listening to this, this pastor recently. He said, I just conducted a, a little survey myself and say, what areas do you need breakthrough in in your life? And people are like, I need a financial breakthrough like yesterday. I need a marriage breakthrough right now. I need a job breakthrough. I need a parenting breakthrough. I need, and he said out of over a thousand people that he actually asked, he said, maybe possibly like one or two said, I need a breakthrough with this pride issue. I need a breakthrough in being selfish. I need a breakthrough in changing who I am. But everybody wants their circumstances changed, but they don't want to be changed. Think about that. And so as we abide in Jesus, as he abides in us, it's all to bring great glory to the Father. Examine your life. Are you all the time just wondering how, man, I got to change this. I, 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 I got to change this around me. If I could change her, my life would be great. If I could change my boss, Lord, change my boss, change him, change him or get him out of here. Either way, just change him. Uh, whatever the case is. But how often are we really saying, Jesus, I want to produce fruit for you. Change me. Help me to change. Get rid of this. Help me, help me to get rid of this selfishness. Help me to get rid of this pride. Help me to get rid of, you know, this anger, whatever the case is. Change me. Because when you change, your circumstances will change. When you change, your marriage will change. Your, your, your parenting will change. Your whole workplace will change. Things will change if you will change. But you're too focused on everybody else making changes and every, you need to look at your life. And that's what Jesus, out of all these seven things that he said, I'm the bread, I'm the way, I'm the, I'm the gate, I'm the shepherd, I'm the way, the truth, the life, I am the vine. Out of all these things, Jesus doesn't need to change. He's, he's it. He's everything. He am what everything he needs to be. Let's look at our lives and say, Lord, I want to abide in you. I want you to abide in me. And Lord, I want to be able to ask for anything in your name and receive it because I want to bring you glory. I want people to see that you are real and that you are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. But, but kind of wrapping it all up, we looked at seven things here that Jesus said to us. And I, I, mean, I love it. I love Jesus. I'm more in love with Jesus now than I was before we started studying all this. I love him, man. He's awesome. I, uh, he's everything. And so, I am the vine. Abide in me. Remain in me. Make your life all about me. And I'll take care of the rest. It'll all fall into place. Abide in me. Amen. We're gonna we gotta end there. I, we we better just go ahead and stop right there. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.